Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. November 16th, 2011. This is episode yes, is. 32 of the Skeptic Wire podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah. David Harcourt, joined as always by Gary Lawn. Beans! Greg Perrine. I did not break the Phobos Grunt spacecraft. And Donna could not make it today. But uh, uh, if, if you listened last week, we had a guest, Jordan Clipston, and he is filling in for Donna today. Hello, Jordan. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> One week at the, at the show, and he's already... Uh, being silly. Good for so, you. So, um, we got a good show today. Um, quick announcement. If you haven't made your reservations to get to the Reason Rally, March 24th. In um, Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C. I really hope as many people get there as possible because we need to show numbers. Um, look oh, it up way, on that's, the internet. That's, that's 2012, not this past year. The <laughs> yeah. year coming up, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Not 2012. We are recording in November 2011, so... Um, <laughs> It's coming up in a few months. Um, wow. Okay, so there's a couple of options. For, there's a couple of options for getting to the Reason Rally. Um, you can go for the one day rally, but it's also coinciding with the American Atheist Convention right. in Washington D.C. Right. And it, it appears there's going to be, if enough people uh, sign on, there's going to be a bus for the one day rally leaving from Austin. And we're um, the te- Texas Freedom Texas Free Thought Convention is on Facebook. Is on Facebook is looking to see if there's enough interest in a bus, a chartered bus, to go out for the entire convention. Yep. And I think that's that's a real cost-effective way to do it. So if its cost is keeping you away, I know the bus from Austin is just going to be a couple hundred bucks. It'll take you there. You can rally and take you back. Right. Right, and you sleep on the bus. And the Texas Free Thought Convention's organization may allow more flexibility for not just the rally and the convention, but a maybe a day or so here before or after allowing people to do some touristy touristy stuff. That has yet to be determined. Right. Yeah, that's well, a chartered bus to do that because you yeah. have 100 people or 60 people who are like, "I can't stand." But well, I think I think what the point is that you you can take the the you need to go to the convention or spend that time sightseeing. Yeah. You know? Good point. Um, now, if you're interested in showing your interest in that bus and see, because you would like to get a count, um, you go to the Facebook page, the Texas Free Con, right? No, Texas Free Thought Convention page. Texas Free Thought Convention Facebook page. And go ahead and go like them right after you've gone to the Skeptic Wire page and liked us. Indeed. If you haven't already. I'm For those such of you a whore. Have, thank you. So. Anything else, guys, before we continue? Because we got a good show coming up. Anything else? Okay. No. Any Anything I'm, special happen this week? Just boring week for all of us? Boring week. Boring week. Busy, busy. Went too but, bad. Yeah. Went to the zoo. Just Got to open up a keyboard and see what all your money goes into, which isn't very much, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. you opened up a keyboard? Yeah. I, I thought just dust and kind of crumbs went into keyboards. Mice. Mice make all the sounds. 
It's really amazing. <laughs> that Roland was actually a little bitty mice. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was kind of, it's that you know, the Marvin Scruggs and his <laughs> mice organ. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the mumpophone. Okay. The mouse mousephone is from Python. I am going to start off with a story about the evolution of flight. Okay, actually yeah. a couple, a couple of stories about the evolution of flight, and it's it's something that I've been really kind of interested in for a long time, and I think it's because I think the first creationist argument I ever heard was, "What good is half a wing?" Right. <laughs> so, and, and it's a good question. So it, it kind of spurred me on to kind of study this and try to find, you know. Uh, how 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 do you get a wing? What what good is a partial wing? And you how go do, to how Hooters to and you point? order wings. <laughs> and there's been a lot of good answers oh from from you know scientists. Um, and, and basically, um, one thing they look at is fledgling birds, and they can actually make good uses of their wings um, before they can fly, right? To help navigate and run up things, and you know. And now that we know that the uh, birds. Uh, evolved from dinosaurs and that dinosaurs had feathers it brings up a whole new line of inquiry to that there's been a lot of interesting things coming out of that um now there's been a couple of stories recently um that have kind of challenged the 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 basic narrative that you had dinosaurs and then uh some dinosaurs learned to you know they had the, the the winged or the the feathers and stuff and they learned to kind of glide off of trees and um, that kind of um, split off the birds from the dinosaur. Kind of branch, a, okay? the flying squirrel hypothesis. Yeah. So you got you know you got some semi-useful wings, and they learn to kind of glide off of trees, and and basically that opens up a new kind of ecosystem, and that's how birds kind of split off from dinosaurs. And so there's a couple of uh, stories here that kind of um, turn that narrative on its head. Okay. One of them, is the most recent one that came out uh, this week, this is from The Economist, there was a recent meeting of the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology. And what these guys, there was a... Uh, and girls. <laughs> this is from the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, a couple of guys in there, Pevin, uh, uh, Kevin Padian and Kenneth Dial of the University of Montana and the University of Berkeley, okay? They wanted to study the evolution of the flight of bats, okay? And they were going on the assumption that bats, uh, flying bats, evolved from first gliding bats, because that's basically the scenario. Because it's hard to get to flight without first gliding. You know, you glide, and then you learn to flap, and you can keep up, right? But they could not find any anything in the fossil record of any kind of gliding bats, they expanded their search. They couldn't find any. Um, they expanded their search to all flying and gliding animals. They couldn't find any common ancestors between a gliding animal and a flying animal. They couldn't find anything in the fossil record where a glider had evolved into a flying animal. They couldn't find any residual um, anatomical features in flying animals of a gliding past. And they came to the conclusion that. That's, that scenario was not correct, that, that flying evolved uh, without the gliding as an inter- intermediate. It evolved twice, in, essentially. You had some gliding mammals and some flying mammals, right. which became the bats. And they got one, one or the other. It wasn't something where you had gliders and then some of the gliders became flyers, started flapping. Right, but how many, how many mammals actually fly? Because birds aren't mammals, right? They're a- 
Well, they're pilots well, they were and studying <laughs> right. They were studying bats. Right. So bat okay. is the only flying mammal, right? Yeah. The so, only one now. Right? Yeah, I, I think I think that's correct. So okay. there's not much. Well, it's not it's not like flying squirrels technically but, glide, so they have power they of flight. Well, they're gliders, right? Yeah. They're gliders, but they're not flyers. True. My, but my point is, I mean, you, we've got the great apes, which kind of look like humans. So you can see how we we might come from them. But if you have nothing that looks like a bat that was flying or gliding, the bat. So is you're just, saying they didn't have enough to compare to. It's yeah. a it's a small family is part of the problem. Okay. Okay, so they came to the conclusion that flight did not come from from gliding, okay? And uh, the rest of it is kind of speculation of looking at how bats act and looking at kind of the ancient um, bats that they evolved from and saying that it's most likely that flight came from... They they have some ancient bats that would hang from the top of caves. They ate insects, but they didn't have echolocation. And they fed in the caves, and they thought the way they must have eaten crawly insects rather than right. flying insects. Because they didn't have the capability to catch flying insects with echolocation. So it was weird that they were hanging out on the roof of the cave, but they ate mostly creepy crawlies, yeah. which were on the bottom of and the, the cave. And the idea is they would hang from their feet, looking down at the ground, and they would let go and drop when they would see an insect. <laughs> they would flap to kind of arrest their fall. Okay. Right. And eventually, that is how flight Just developed. So eventually, one bat never reached the bottom, right? Yeah. The, <laughs> so eventually. the bats that got better at flapping and controlling their flight to find that creepy crawly that they saw up from the, the ceiling, they ate more food, so, so they, they would, got they to... They would climb up the walls and across the ceiling and <laughs> yeah, hang upside down. and hang down. upside down. That doesn't I did that in a ropes down. course in high school. This drop. sounds too much like Douglas Adams. They, they fling themselves at the ground and miss, and that's how they <laughs> learn how to fly. <laughs> I was thinking more of the ropes course that I took in high school where, you know, I kind of would crawl up to the top of the gym, you'd belay yourself, and then you'd drop off. That I didn't develop the power of flight, but Ooh. apparently these bats who basically were able to get to food better because they were flapping better, <laughs> got more food, so they got more nookie, yeah, so see? they... Evolved. See? Nice they, demonstration. They on those characteristics. Now, supposedly, this got the biggest crowd at the uh, Society of Vertebrate Paleontology Conference in Las Vegas uh, earlier this month. Uh, but now, the more interesting story, I think, is one that I actually read back in August. I almost talked about it then, um, but let's talk about it now. Um, and that is the 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 idea that the the property of birds that made them eventually split off from uh, dinosaurs was flight, right? Right. So a dinosaur learns to fly, and now they're up in the trees, and they they're in a different ecosystem, and now they're you know evolve apart. Okay. But now there is a um, developmental biologist named Stuart Newman. He's at the um, uh, New York Medical College, and he has studied bird evolution for quite some time. Okay. And he discovered this gene that is missing in birds and reptiles, okay? It's, the, it's, the gene codes for a protein called UCP1, also called thermogenin, okay? UPC1 is what allows warm-blooded animals, mammals, to burn brown fat in order to heat their bodies, 
Okay. To self-regulate their temperature yeah. rather than depending on the environment, which is what cold-blooded is all about. So the idea is that there was a common ancestor of reptiles and birds that lost the ability to burn brown fat and regulate, regulate their temperature. And then that split, and we got, we got reptiles who've solved that by relying on external t- sources of heat. Right. Birds solve that problem by beefing up on muscle because that is another way to heat your body. They went down to okay. Gold's Gym and just pumped, exactly. pumped iron all the time. The, the, the paleontology, whatever version <laughs> of, of Gold's whatever Gym. Whatever Tom and Jerry scenario is going to go on. Um, so it was, and birds are actually very muscular compared to other animals. Okay. Right. But that was supposedly the distinguishing characteristic that split them off from the dinosaurs. It was, a, it was the need to regulate their heat and build muscle. That in turn allowed them to become bipedal, and free up their arms, muscular arms, with feathers, right? <laughs> that and, no longer were controlled by the need to run fast, so... So you could do experimentation, right? A lot, you could lot pretty of much experiment mutations. Yeah. Without, without a lot of risk, right? Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of different arm types, and eventually you can get the wings, okay? Don't know the details, obviously, and there may have been gliding involved. Don't know. Well, um, this is, I, I remember seeing some stories way back when of um, some experiments that, that um, some scientists did on baby birds on how they were learning to fly. And they showed a lot of them basically um, when they were forced, basically not forced, but maybe, you know, coerced with food or something to go up an incline. Yes. So going up an incline, these little baby birds who hadn't learned how to fly yet were at least flapping to try to help them get up and yes. keep their balance. Yeah. So you have one, you have the idea of bird, these proto-birds, these pre-birds, running up trees or running up logs to either get away from predators or to get up so they could drop down like the bats in the previous yeah. story. And there's that. And- or um, something I, I read into when I was reading this. The first thing I thought of when they were talking about, well, okay, they have really powerful muscles, their legs, their front front forearms are freed up to be wings, but their back legs are still really strong. To me, that says jumping. Yeah. So these proto birds were flapping a little to get up inclines, but also they would they may need to jump to get away from a predator or jump to ambush something. So they would jump and flap a little, control their their descent. Yeah. Same way the the bats were controlling their descent with a little bit of flapping. Yeah, it could have been the same mechanism. Over millions of years, that flapping just gets better and better and better. And I also saw an article recently on how they think dinosaurs used their feathered arms to control when they ran and had to make like sharp turns. They could use them as like air brakes and stuff. You know, just just to help control them, their their run. I mean, there's all sorts of interesting aerodynamic things you can do. I just imagine with like a, arms. a baby T Rex running around going. <laughs> you know? Well, what, I mean, okay, so the pterosaurs, the the pterodactyls. I guess that's not really the name anymore, right? Pterodactyl. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> what used to, what may or used to be called the pterodactyl? Are they saying that perhaps that they had larger muscles than what they show them? Right, because they're a glider. They were gliders, weren't they? Yeah. So so that's kind of the in-between form. So we're not talking about gliders. Right. But we're talking about beefy upper Which Because gliders What's didn't really need the beefy. I think, dinosaur I think the was thing is because, because yeah. the gliders, yeah. the whole idea between b- of starting with need. gliding is you don't need all that muscu- muscular 
upper body to glide. And that you would you would f glide, and then eventually you'd, right, but, but you'd develop but, those muscles for sustained flight. But the reason that they say that they're gliders is because they're so large, because mm -hmm. they're huge things. So they look at birds now, and like the big birds are mainly primarily gliders. They flap to get up to where they need to be, and then they hang out. The condor just stays up there in circles in yeah. the drafts. Yeah. Now, there has been some criticism of this theory. I have... Um, From Was it about someone wearing combat boots and their mother picking out their clothes? Or <laughs> CreationRevolution.com, transforming the world with the truth of creation. Says, oh, good. Okay, go ahead. Scientists like Dr. Newman consistently deny the word of God that tells us he created birds on day five of creation and dinosaurs on day six. So not much of a criticism. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Where does it say that God created dinosaurs on the sixth day? Well, I think everything that creepeth and crawleth on the oh, earth. Oh, okay. All see? Right. Came after the And that's the when birds. the unicorns and the, the minotaurs. Tyra and the Tyrannosaurus Rex did not creepeth. <laughs> <laughs> and it hardly All crawleth. creeping things that creepeth on the earth. Did, how how can a dinosaur <laughs> creepeth? No. They, they, they don't about creep. Stumpeth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they stumpeth in, in lots of... <laughs> yeah. Well, they might have been considered the creepy ones, kind of the, the ones leering you okay. at you at the bar. Oh, right, the, the ones that you never invite out to the parties. <laughs> Plus, there's the theory that T-Rexes were uh, carrion eaters, and a lot of people think carrion eaters, like vultures or whatever, are kind of, kind of creepy. So these are the kind of people that get into the overhead bin and see what kind of foods you have in your luggage? That's never happened to me. Is, well, is it something you'd like to share with there? us, Gary? <laughs> So, have you been burned by this at the airport? Let me airport? finish this quote. Their eyes have been blinded <laughs> and their ears people. deafened to the truth <laughs> by their gods of evolution and naturalism. So that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> like I said, not much of a rebuttal. Okay. <laughs> Greg, you're going to tell us about um, why religious services are good for us. Well, uh, a recent, oh um, <laughs> so there's a study in the Journal of Religion and Health that came out that was um, published by, um, well, sponsored by Yeshiva University. So, you know, it's kind of got a little bit of a religious edge to it. And all the article and all the headlines about it are basically saying religious services prevent depression, new study says. Some some with question marks. Yeah, some with question marks, but those are usually the leading questions to say, well, yes, yes, it does. So it, it seemed like a good study in that they studied over uh, nearly or about 93,000 women over the age of 50. They took in various ethnicities, various religions, various economic groups, and they basically surveyed them on their religious attendance and then also gave them... Um, you know, basic um, tests for optimism, depression, cynical hostility, and um, looked at the strains in their life and their social support. And what, what basically what they found and what gets quoted a lot is uh, researchers found that those who attended services frequently, and I'll get back to that in a second, were 56% more likely to have a positive outlook on life and 27% less likely to be depressed. They said they, you know, they were less likely to be cynical, that sort of thing. Um, so Westboro Baptist Church people then 
Yeah, apparently. I mean, I've 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 seen Westboro Baptist Church they people from afar. They look happy. They look happy. Brother Jed, happy. the guy who visits uh, visits college campuses, he looks fairly happy. Huh? But you know, the the I guess the 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 main thing that I first read from this, it is a a survey of how often do you self-reporting. Uh, yeah, you self-report how often do you go to church, and there are plenty of people who up report that. To make them seem more themselves more more religious. Holy. That's that's probably not <laughs> such a bad confounding factor. But what really gets in my craw about this is they keep talking about it's the people who attended religious services frequently, or you know they attended religious services. That does not mean that the people who did not attend religious services were not religious, right? Can, or happy. Yeah, I can agree and disagree with that because, of course, like. Uh, as a teenager, I was agnostic, but I went to the uh, church, uh, the teen uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights. Exactly. But it wasn't for, you know, because I want to get more spiritual or anything like that. It was more for, for I wanted to be with my friends who were all there. Exactly. And, and okay, so what was your point? I mean, because they weren't looking at religiousness. They were looking, no, at, looking at church. At, no, they were comparing people who went to church frequently right. to people who don't. Right. And saying that they were more religious they said they were more religious. The the study considered people who went to church more frequently as being more religious, and said that they had less depression and were more had a positive outlook on life. But I didn't want to. So be, they yeah. made the they okay. make the assumption that people who don't go to church are not religious. Okay, I thought that. Okay, when I looked at this results, I thought they were just looking at church attendance and. All these measures of wellness, right? Right. Depression and things like that. You're saying they didn't do that. Yes, David, they did. They looked at church attendance <laughs> and took that as a sign of, well, people who went to church frequently, they're religious, so they we can compare them to the people who don't go to church. They're not religious. They made that assumption, and that's that assumption of people who do, do go to church are religious and thus, the religion is what's causing the good or the bad. No. Right. It's, 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 a, the, it's the community. It's, I got the same satisfaction, the same on Saturday when I went to the teen center and I found all my friends. Yeah. There was no difference. It's just, do I want to be lonely on a Wednesday night and be at home by myself? <laughs> or do I want to go with all my friends yeah. where the Bible study is at? One of the, one of the things that kind of relates to that is a lot of people have talked about the study as this was a study of older women in these religious circles. And it's been shown previously that older women are more likely to participate in social interaction and have friendships at church. So they get that benefit of the the friendships and the social support from going to church more than, say, younger people or men might. Yeah, I can see that. Now, when, when you hear about studies like this, I, especially like you said, it's self-reporting. I'd love to have them bring like them and their family in or uh, other people that they're around. So maybe the other friends mm -hmm. and then ask the friends how they think their friend is because you can self-report. Oh, I'm always so happy, blah, 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 because someone has asked you about your faith. Or well, they, they... And then like you, they ask you, well, how do you think Gary's doing? 
I mean, is he is he an upbeat person? Well, you know, sometimes he's really down on himself. Well, a lot of Whereas these psychological say I'm, I'm never down on myself. <laughs> a lot of these psychological <laughs> studies and, and these included basically gave people little tests that, you know, ask leading questions that, you know, if you answer A, it's someone who's less cynical, answer B, it's someone who's more cynical, kind of multiple choice kind of surveys yeah, of can't, personality. You can't guess what they're asking in those. Well, sometimes you can't. <laughs> well, they're designed to kind of be that blind, so they're not sure what they're going towards. You know, it's really the re- religiosity factor that is is so, a lot more transparent. Okay. So the part of the problem is that in all these studies that say that use religious attendance as a measure of how religious someone is, you have lot. It, it, it compounds the people who are actually actively secular, which granted is a minority of you know ten to thirty percent, with open. all the other people who just don't go to church but still believe and have that guilt about not going to church. Well, then have negativity. Well, it would help, David, if you would listen to me when I was talking and not play on your iPod. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking for the report. Because, um, okay, I thought that they looked at church attendance yes. and correlated that with depression and all these other different things. You're saying they didn't do that. You're no, saying, I am saying they did that, no, you're but saying, they read into okay. church attendance as meaning that, was in the that they are relig- that they're highly religious. Okay, and it's that that kind of linking of saying that just because they attend church more often that means they're religious. But, right. It, but it, what about because the results? What, what it says is researchers found that women who attended religious services at least once a week were 56, 56% more likely to score above average on a survey of optimism than non-religious women. Which is basically... Like, non-religious so using women. that phrase yeah, non-religious, non-religious to say it, just because they don't go to yeah, church, yeah. they're makes, non-religious. Yeah, exactly. And 22% less likely to be depressed. Yeah. And a lot, and some, and some of the better articles about this, which uh, I think one of them you you gave to me, David, kind of point out that people who are secular and go to you know a social event, who are part of a meetup like we are, the San Antonio Skeptics Meetup, or the right. or a, a knitting circle or something, and people who make friends through that, that is more likely to to be the strong factor. Right, yeah. having people who have your back. Yeah. You know, around yeah. you. Yeah. You know, like my, 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 my running group. Great friends. You know, mm-hmm. I do that once a week. It's basically my church, only without the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, the one that I looked at, these studies can be good, but you've got to have adequate controls for yeah. other types of social gatherings yeah. for non-religious people and say, is church better than other types of social gatherings? Are board, board game nights as good as church or not. Right. It would be interesting to know. It's very possible that religious services are better because they do have... They, they also whole, have social very support. Different They're going to yeah. call you if, you're, if you've been out sick, see how you're doing, bring you meals when someone dies. So, There's so, a lot more built into there, which does make religious services a little bit more on the positive side than just your drinking buddies. So, so they need to uh, spread their base of people to, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, Depressives <laughs> Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know a lo- I know some people who have 
great and lasting friendships through AA. And you and That's through AA, really you're supposed to go to regular meetings. Right, but like if, if you're first starting those meetings, it's quite possible that you're not going to be the happiest person in the world, especially True. if you're being sent there through a court order. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. that's kind of the joke. So know? that but, same uh, journal, the, the Journal right. of Religion and Health, mm-hmm. in '09 published this study, which says there's an in this type of study that we're talking about, there's a near universal lack of atheist control samples. Exactly, and that's differentiating the people who, when they use something like attendance as their measure of religiosity, to say, well, just because they don't attend, you need to split that group into two of people who are actually non-religious to the, those people who are religious but non-attending. Yeah, but really have, attendance, I think yeah. attendance is the important thing. I, I think that's probably what they were studying. And, I think maybe someone wrote it up badly and said non-religious when they weren't attending. Well, it, but, uh, and that's attendance good because can now be a, a good factor, we can but the important that. thing is not reported attendance, but actual you know recorded attendance because a lot of people self-report more attendance than they actually oh. do. Yeah, so man. yeah, yeah, it's you know religious services are probably they could have kept a positive lot. for you. They could have had them right, but, but it also I I wonder if they I wonder if it also depends on the the type of service that you are going to because like like some of the the hellfire and damnation uh, churches right mm-hmm. or versus some of the 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 really conservative ones which are always talking about. Uh, the bad things in society, but God will help you get through them. But they come away with it saying, "Oh, how how bad it is that these people are, uh, you know, stealing from from me." And it it may be a wash because they come those kind of groups. You get this feeling of I am the chosen person. I know this oh, really heavy, you know, big secret, and I'm better than everybody than this. But it's also a wash because that makes them fight with their neighbors and their family members about being that. But but it, into, but if, if you get them strictly if you get into them on, a the, on, the, on just thinking about it, rather than oh, I fight with my you know, I fight with my son. Uh, you know, right. they were not going to think about that when they're taking the survey, probably. Yeah. I just don't know why these news organizations take these type of studies seriously when they come from a, a journal called the Journal of Religion and Health, which is basically a self-publishing <laughs> journal that's out to show that religion is good for you. It's like a study coming you out know? of the journal saying, cigarettes are the cigarettes are good for you journal. It's like, what are they going to tell you? <laughs> I mean, this is all that journal cigarettes is for. Cigarettes are for everybody. <laughs> this journal is dedicated to showing basically how religion's good for you. Yeah. yeah. And why and I know why news organizations do it because it's real provocative, you know? Mm-hmm. They they just want they're looking for these studies, it's provocative, they get a lot of people, you know, watching and, and tweeting and, and and sharing that those type of stories. And yeah. it doesn't I don't think they care where it comes from. It gives the religious conservatives something to yell about on Fox to say, see, this is why we don't need atheist chaplains in the military, because religion is what's really good for you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it needs to be looked at a little bit more critically. And preachers yeah. love these stories. And if yeah, exactly. Have, if it wasn't for these stories, they'd be making them up. <laughs> they make up scenarios like, yeah, this 14-year-old kid, he was a punk and had a piercing and... He got into drugs and premarital sex, and mm-hmm. if it's not something like this for them to read and present to their people, yeah. they have to make if, up a If story. they don't have evidence, all they have is anecdotes. Exactly. And I love that phrase. I can't remember who said it first, but the plural of anecdotes is not evidence. 
So, uh, but you know, religious services have some positive things for people. And as scientifically based people, we have to admit that yes, there's some positives to it, but you know, it's not all perfect. And so I think, I think that's pretty much. Yeah. At the uh, Texas free thought convention, I talked to David Silverman. I actually got to interview him and have it on YouTube. If you want to take a look at it, but one of the things he pointed out, that was a shameless, shameless plug, but go ahead. (laughs) No, you know, what, what, uh, what YouTube channel? Oh, uh, greeny and bluey, all one word channel. Anyway, it'll be um, in the show notes, but yeah, we we could, we could put this, uh, you could listen to it, but I interviewed David Silverman. I was actually able to ask him. I was like, I kind of sarcastically went up to him with a camera and I said, so why do you need? Why do you guys need your own religion? What, what is this American atheist thing? And he kind of pointed out, well, we're not a. I saw that video. We're more of an. You saw that video? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but he was like, well, well, this isn't. Uh, we're more of an activist organization, you know. Other ones like Bright's and. But he said that the the community, the uh, sense of community, is very important, um, and we need that as atheists as, as well, agnostics, skeptics. Um, it is it's something that humans need, and that's one of the points, uh, things he pointed out. And I agree with that. And that's one thing. I'm actually going to church on Saturday um, to one of my friend's plays, The Story of Esther and everything. Get um, but, out. <laughs> no, but the thing is... Whoa, wait. <laughs> I, I do agree that churches <laughs> churches do bring comfort. Mm-hmm. Not the religious part. It's not the uh, you know the believing in God part. Because when I was going to church, it was I was agnostic. I yeah, knew I didn't right. believe this stuff. But the people who were there, they were kind. They would shake your hand. They would say, good to see you. Um I mean, of course, I went to go to some other churches where I felt kind of weird, and I wanted to leave immediately. Um, but yeah, I agree that churches do bring comfort. And but the thing is, we don't need that. We can we can have alternatives, like you know, well, community centers. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, or or meet up. I think is changing the way that people people because yeah. then you're together with you know like-minded not, people not we necessarily need... like-minded you get your or people who have similar, similar hobbies because like yeah. like it like your your the gaming group you know they 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 they're one thing they really have in common is gaming whereas right. the the background of they have may just be complete but you get together and get get a talk about games and you kind of leave and, the other stuff out but sometimes right? some people will ask me about my red atheist right. day right yeah I have well, an idea. You're, you're putting it in their face. I mean, jeez. I have an idea. <laughs> I have an I'm idea. so militant. Let's start an online journal called Skeptic Meetups in Health. <laughs> and start publishing. <laughs> and start doing some research on how happy we are. But, but to be the, a skeptic meetup. But the UU churches, you know, the Universal Unitarian Uni- Unitarians Universalist yeah. something like that. Sorry, Unitarian uh, Universalist people. Church. Thank you very much. Um, they're eff- effectively a you know. We're not going to say atheist, but a deistic type of thing. Right. And so people go there for yeah, humanist you know, church. Yeah, humanist stuff. So they, they go to, to meet with people and you know learn philosophy and learn uh, different religions and, and different uh, stuff like right. that. So it's just all very way. spiritual yeah. and you know. So, it, but that's like I said, it's important. Once you know about things like that, you know you don't have to go if you're not a religious person. You don't have to go keep on going yeah. to the Baptists or Lutheran or the Methodists or whatever. You can go to the UU or you can go to meetup.com or Facebook. <laughs> okay. Or go to the bar. Okay, Gary, tell us about e-cigarettes. E-cigarettes. So, yes, I want to talk about e-cigarettes. Um, and there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, I saw one for the first time at the Texas Free Thought Convention. I thought it was kind of interesting. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was going to talk about the FDA and them uh, approving more drugs this last year than they have 
in quite a long time uh, because the applications are uh, for for drugs and devices have been declining, and so they want to put things on a fast track, which actually brings in more money because the the companies can can pay now to do that. They pay for the regulation, basically. Right. Okay. Right. To fast track to fast track the review process. They right. pay. I mean, they always pay for regulation, but they pay more for the fast track. For the fast track, right. okay. So that that'll bring in more money, and um, so there's been problems uh, a little bit with this fast track. There, it's kind of cool, good in some ways because they're using a lot of modern techniques, modeling, computer models, but it, the the human trials get short shrift, and so they've had problems, you know, with the uh, metal hip replacement that kind of went bad because they didn't right. have a long enough. But it also allows drugs to come to uh, that, that show efficacy in, in trials. So they to, focus they a lot to, more on animal models than they do on human models, which doesn't always yeah. translate. They right. used to okay. be a big concern that other countries were getting medical devices way before the U.S. Exactly. And now we're getting them before other countries. Are, are we actually getting them? Yeah. Because the e-cigarettes now is, is where it kind of goes uh, for that because the, the FDA – they they've written a couple of uh, papers, you know, saying that they there there may be a danger with them, but they haven't been um, looked at uh, as far as whether the efficacy of them or how much uh, nicotine they put in or what you know whether they're good or bad for you because there is a lawsuit and the FDA because they are not a therapeutic device doesn't have any say over it, so it's almost like it's a homeopathic. Uh, nutritional supplement, so which the FDA doesn't look at. So right. they tried to look at it as a medical device, right? right? And then medical devices have a certain number of tests they have to do, and and this and that. And then they lost that in court and said, no, it's not a medical device. So right. as, as right. long as the people who make the e-cigarettes market it as not as a cure cure to help you stop smoking, but as a well, this is just another way to get this substance. It, right. You know, it's not therapeutic, but you can. It's like a hookah. Yeah. Or something, and so so you do a little looking into okay, well, what is nicotine, for example? Uh, it's it's obviously a drug of some sort. Uh, they they <laughs> they've used it in pesticides. It's actually more potent uh, in in quantity than say arsenic. Like forty to sixty milligrams of the stuff is is enough to to harm a human being and and uh, uh, cause toxicity in in a human being. So, Another reason not to smoke. <laughs> well, but yeah, now no, none of us smoke. Smoking nicotine, exactly, now, or vaporizing nicotine. That is, I think the e-cigarettes vaporize. They it. vaporize it, so you're bringing in. So they they're talking about anywhere from 14 milligrams up to like 24 milligrams. I think one of the articles talked about the average dose being a couple drops. Right. So, and that's the thing because the FDA doesn't have to now regulate that. They don't really have to be honest on how much you actually get. So there's no trials, as far as I can find right now, really going on about e-cigarettes. But you well, see, in general, we, we pretty much know that basically the amount of nicotine they're giving in an e-cigarette is probably comparable to the amount of nicotine you're getting to a cigarette. It's supposed to and be. And the nicotine itself is really not very harmful. Right, in the small doses over a short period, you know, uh, or like over a day. Uh, you should be all right. Now you can, if you if you chew the nicotine, or you take the take the nicotine patches, or you chew the nicotine gum, you can actually put too much of on that and become sick because you you absorb that. So, but it'd probably be hard to do the e-cigarette do too much nicotine. 
Well, no, not really, because I mean you can just suck those in all the time. But uh, probably like with the patch or the nicotine, if you get too much it, nicotine, that's exactly the point. Is you 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 want you're not necessarily going to ingest it as quickly, and the patch is really easy. You just start placing those on your body, and you forget about it, right? Yeah. Or you do the Simpsons joke where Krusty the Crown is trying to quit smoking, <laughs> and he has 50 patches all over himself, and he's like, I have some skin over here. Put another patch on. Okay, so <laughs> exactly. the medical device division of the FDA couldn't do anything, but now. The FDA can regulate they nicotine can, now, correct? It, it, that's <laughs> correct. So they can they can regulate. Um, oh, blast! What was it? It's it's really weird because a lot of them talk about instead of regulating e-cigarettes as a drug device because is it is exactly a device. Is, right. They're now saying that it is regulated as a tobacco product, exactly. along with nicotine gum and patches. Which all sh- which are they, so they far removed from an actual tobacco product, <laughs> it right. It's it's, it's, a, it's a nicotine it's like delivery saying, process. It's like saying Tootsie <laughs> Rolls are chocolate. Said <laughs> Tootsie Rolls. I think one of the inter- <laughs> what's interesting is this whole thing came up because of a story out of this Harm Reduction Journal, which is another one of these journals, which is one of these internet journals that have a point of view and are trying to put out studies that support that point of view. Correct. And their point of view is harm reduction, and they define harm reduction as policies and programs which aim to reduce the health, social, and economic costs of legal and illegal proactive, I'm sorry, psychoactive drug use without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Now, they've looked at e-cigarettes, and they're saying that e-cigarettes are not harmful and that they are very, very effective, the most effective thing we've found at reducing smoking. In fact, even these programs that you put people through, you know, and, and, and supervising everything, right. are not even as effective as saying, here, have one of these. Right. And, and people I, take it home, and they use it, and, and it's very, very effective at reducing smoking. And their point is, it's not harmful. And so the e- FDA is standing in the way. Right. Tobac- tobacco because, is standing uh, in the way. They, they, they they can sell, you can sell, they grandfathered in e-cigarettes at the 2007 level, and anything after that they've blocked for the moment. Right. So it's, it's hard to get them. But, of course, technology has advanced, and the, the people who are making and selling the e-cigarettes, they've become more efficient, and they've probably made it better, even better for you. Because one of the problems that the FDA is saying is that there's, all kinds of other chemicals that get they're that coming get in. from China and you don't know. You There's don't something know. to be said for actually regulating these chemicals to make sure that what is in there is actually what they say is in there and they're not putting lead paint in there. Well, it sounds right. like the or e-cigarette it- makers aren't, aren't <laughs> cooperating. Why don't they just cooperate and say, this is what's in it? Right. You know. I, because they don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so this was in a New York Times article. It's okay. the invisible end of the free New York market Times giving art- you a middle finger. New York Times article was talking about this harm reduction journal uh, study, right? And saying we should we should let every smoker have one of these because it's going to reduce smoking. Right. And, that, and, and that was sort of uh, unexpected, right? It was an unexpected result that, that this they, – they expected people to continue – um, and, and kind of use it sort of like the patch because they don't necessarily stop smoking. because That they, they would wean themselves off. Right. Look, it cut, um, after six months, expecting. more than half the subjects in the experiment had cut their regular cigarette consumption by at least 50%. And, okay? and about Which 25% actually fully quit. So, and, 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 and the frustration by the folks of the journal saying, look, um, the pe- some of the people who are blocking these are liberals, Democrats who, if you use the if you use the harm reduction argument on them as far as 
say uh, abortion, where they say, well, you're not going to, you know, using uh, birth control, you're not going to prevent people from having sex, so let's make it safe. The same thing with heroin addiction, you're not going to get people to um, stop, so let's do a clean needle program. Or methadone. And Yeah, and so you have... Or caffeine. Th those type of arguments seem to work on those areas, and they're trying to make the same argument with e-cigarettes saying people aren't going to quit there's going to be hardcore smokers they're not going to quit let's give them something safer right that they can smoke and and the people who are normally you know needle sharing programs are now against selling e-cigarettes yes. e and the, the more conservative contingents who are against the needle sharing programs right. are all for the cigarettes yeah. so it's very weird flip-flop right for for no apparent reason okay because As studies have shown, smoking cigarettes brings in all kinds of chemicals. First, you're bringing in uh, smoke into your lungs, uh, burning smoky substances. And anybody is, who's been camping knows that's not good. That is bad. Second, you have all the chemicals that have been you know, increasingly put into cigarettes over uh, decades, tens of decades, almost you know, 100 years, 200 years. And that's not good. Tar, not really good for no, the uh, working of your lungs. So giving now... A nicotine device that gives you the fix that you're looking for, because you're not, you don't want to suck in smoke. That you're not craving the smoke, you're not craving the tar, you're craving the addictive nicotine, nicotine. you know, the poison. Yeah. <laughs> that, that your your body. About the most nicot uh, addictive thing we know of. Nicotine. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. Apparently, more so than than heroin or, yeah. or sugar. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys think about the whole argument, the other argument that um, either some of these other organizations or the FDA has brought up of saying against e-cigarettes is saying that, oh, it could be a gateway device for kids to start smoking? I don't buy that. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's not cool right. to smoke an e-cigarette. Not these Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet, but, but they do come in flavors, just, just like the hookah pipes. You know, you can get the, okay. like a five star or an apple if, taste if or whatever. If it's basically harmless, then I don't really care. If it's har and maybe that's that's the point. If well, I do care but, because but, okay. it's, it's addicting. But if it's if it's addicting and it's not harmful, then how bad is that? It's right. a bank gateway, not a. You know, it, it, nobody's <laughs> gonna start smoking e-cigarettes and then go on. Oh, let me upgrade to cigarettes. And, yeah, well, yeah no one's gonna upgrade to any, anything right. that that alters your 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 chemistry of your body. People are going to use, and there's all right. sorts of benefits. To it nicotine. does have benefits, yes. Okay, so it improves concentration, right? Yeah. What else does it do? Uh, well, also, it's good for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease. It's it, good it for weight supposedly, loss. Supposedly, uh, slows down the oncoming of of those diseases. Yeah. Well, of course, weight this, loss. This town, most places are banned ban smoking indoors. You can smoke these indoors, right? In public restaurants. Right. Uh, um, you know, I don't there, know. There's smoking can, areas. You you can't still, the, you can't smoke e-cigarettes in e non-smoking yes. areas because um, there, there's no fumes. exactly yeah yeah. So, but that's another. I've, I've actually heard some stories of I think it was um, Jason Muse from Jay and Silent Bob the whole um, thing. He was smoking an e-cigarette on a plane, mm. and some yeah. lady a row or two down, flipped the fuck out at him <laughs> that he was smoking on a plane and wanted the stewardess to yeah. stop the plane well, and throw him off. Eventually, people will know more and it'll be more accepted. Yeah. But, you know, you asked me whether it's okay. I don't know. There's there's a cost-benefit analysis you got to do, and we don't have all the, right. and, all the information and, and right so now. And so the FDA is working on starting to regulate now as – 
a tobacco product. I wouldn't say kid. I I wouldn't say you would want to give a kid something addictive. Well, no. But but okay, you have to be eighteen to buy a cigarette in the first. Kids under eighteen are smoking. Kids under twenty one are drinking. Yeah, I was you smoking know? at thirteen. The, the 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 thing is, if if you regulate <laughs> and you know you know what each cigarette each e cigarette has to give, right? It has to give no more than this or no less than this, right, and right, right. the manufacturer has to stick to that. Yeah, you know, you know. It, again, it goes back to the the homeopathic argument. You don't know what you're taking, or or even supplements. You have no idea what you're taking. Is that really, really vitamin C in that vitamin C right. tablet, or or the 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 Zycam, I think it was right, had zinc yeah. in it. Non-regulated people got and, hurt, and zinc was an active ingredient that does actually affect you like a drug. It, it, like you're right, it actually had active substance in it, which was not listed on the bottle because it was supposed to be nothing. I, I think all sides <laughs> to this argument agree that um, you know that e-cigarettes should be more properly regulated so that you know it's safe and that it can be used as either a way to quit smoking or a just kind of a mild drug that maybe some people take right. from time to time. And, and it's and also you know, on a on a personal level on and you know going to a bar or whatever then they can do the e-cigarette they can get their fix they still got their their oral fixation fix as well right. cuz you know you're, you're yep i'm not sure up. i would and be and you don't go home <laughs> smelling like ash yeah. Yeah. i probably I wouldn't want someone blowing it on I, I wouldn't want it right next to me but it's a lot less intrusive. You could be two seats down for me, and it wouldn't bother me, or right. something like that. And, and that's that's the other thing is you really don't know how much is getting in and being absorbed because supposedly you're supposed to suck it all in. There's there's it, the, some of these websites kind of like that, me that and my pro, asthma medication. Yeah. yeah. So so the problem is right now because there's no regulations, the the, the manufacturers you can't tell whether they're being upfront. Um, there's the, the the pro sites it was so the, the anti sites interestingly enough are saying how bad they are because of all the other chemicals that you might get in because you have to vaporize it uh, you're, you're getting like diethyl mercury you know merc peroxide or, or stuff but they don't say how much the problem is we just don't we really don't know. know it's like marijuana you don't know how good it is or how bad it is because it's illegal to do and so there's not the studies the good studies that really say what's it you can't go to a manufacturer of marijuana and say you're not allowed to have this you know you can only have so much thc you can only have so much this this is kind of the same thing they're um what's what's the word uncontrolled no, no, controlled. Controlled substance. They're con- it's actually a controlled substance because – and controlled substance, by the way, doesn't mean that it is controlled by someone. It is a controlled release of the chemical. So that's why marijuana, heroin, cocaine, nicotine are all controlled substances. But nicotine via cigarette is actually literally controlled because <laughs> they know what it's doing to you. They, they know how much you get. Where the irony of the other controlled substances is that they're uncontrolled. You have no idea what you get. You could be smoking oregano, or you could be smoking something that someone has put another chemical on to, to kick it up. So, so damn it, FDA. So it, regulation, good. Regulation. But let's get some evidence good. behind it first. Yes. Start, start doing some real tests, and, and let's, let's up. Because, again, it seems like far more benefit for these things than non-benefit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if the tobacco companies 
have to go over to just making nicotine rather than growing crops. And that's actually a, that's probably one of the big concerns. You know, <laughs> they're, they're lobbying to not do it because they're not making them. Right. As far as we know. I think if the only benefit was there's no secondhand smoke with these cigarettes, I say that's an accomplishment. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I have no problem. Well, I mean, not to go too long into this, but another nicotine delivery device is chewable tobacco, and that doesn't have secondhand smoke, but it gives you mouth cancer. Yeah. So there are, there are positive and negatives, and it seems like for now there's no evidence that e-cigarettes have anywhere near the drawbacks of chewing tobacco, pipes, cigarettes, cigars right. – or any inhaled smoke product. So they're still right. laughing disgusting. Have you ever stepped in uh, chewing tobacco spit with your yeah. foot? Oh, yeah. 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 Or accidentally picked up a can of Coke that someone's been spitting in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, on that note. <laughs> so there we go. That's that's my topic. Okay. Yay. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. What we got next? We um, Do we have? Uh, oh, we have. I'm, I'm going to talk about um, a new member of the San Antonio chapter of the Holistic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Yay! Holistic Chamber of Commerce. We haven't, we haven't done one of these uh, for a couple of episodes, but we have a new member. Our Wu community has been lax in bringing yeah. up. Well, now there's three Whoa. new members, but I have time to talk about one today. Okay. Yay! And Yay. Um, <clears throat> it showed up. <laughs> it showed up on um, the website as Energy Magazine, and I know Ooh. we're in Texas, but it's not what you think. It's, it's not Valero. It's not about oil and <laughs> gas or wind power. Or... It is the official publication of Healing Touch Program. Ooh, Ooh sexy! Now, I said okay. <laughs> this I magazine aver- advertising like. on the. Uh, Policy Chamber of Commerce site, but when I looked into it, the editor of this magazine lives right here in San Antonio. Right on. She founded the magazine in 06. She's recently moved to San Antonio, and she's also in charge of the, she's certification administrator for the Healing Touch program, and it looks like she got the Healing Touch Worldwide Conference here this summer, which I totally missed. Oh, Um, not, not, not just you. Celebrate so healing. you would say this Healing Touch seminar did not result in a happy ending for you. Not at all. It says, <laughs> celebrate healing, bridging science and spirit. Nice. Aww. Okay, so. That's exactly what we do. <laughs> exactly. Science and woo. Now, this is and actually. Spirit. We got spirit. We got <laughs> healing Touch spirit. program is accredited by the American Nurses Credentialing Center. Yeah, that's uh, which is disappointing. Day. That's really the kind of thing we always com- complain about about you know officially sanctioned nurse organizations certifying people in Reiki massage or Healing Touch. So this is energy medicine. Healing Touch and this kind of thing is actually very popular with nurses in hospitals. Unfortunately, because it's been proven again to have absolutely no benefit beyond the placebo effect. Right. So it has the benefit of being. You know, no pun intended, very touchy-feely and making the patient feel more relaxed and comfortable yeah. around this scary medical environment. And it, has, it makes absolutely no biological plausi- plausibility sense at all. I said that wrong. But it, it basi- it's based on this um, – that we have these energy fields 
that are connected to the energy fields of the and universe. Right. And that we have blockages. <laughs> crude matter are we? Blockages in our energy field that we have to release and so on. And and it's just kind of amazing. I've been going through the site and the um, um, the whole program today. It just looks like such a, you know, if you look at it, it looks very slick, very professional. A lot of people believe in this stuff. It's mainstream. Yeah. And it's one of the most mainstream woo that you can think of. And you can get credentialed. <laughs> it's very slick because there's a lot of money to be made because there's not a lot of... Sp- Cost? Yes. There's not a lot of supplies involved. Right. You don't have to buy a machine to treat your water. You just got to touch them. You just got to, like, wave your hands over the person, right. basically. And you get to charge $10 more an hour. Yeah. And um, I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure it's nice to have someone do this. Yeah, but especially real. in a nurse's outfit. Um, we've talked about healing you touch too, a little women. bit before, so I'm not going to go too much into this energy medicine stuff. But I do want to read. Now, this magazine gets letters, and I want to read one letter. <laughs> Dear Penthouse. Oh, right. <laughs> I never thought that this would happen to me. But <laughs> this letter is from... Nancy Betalega, and she's a she's a practitioner. How healing touch influenced my decision regarding breast cancer. Oh dear. Oh come on. This was published. In, I have a friend who's going through breast cancer surgery, literally probably right now. Ah, uh, okay. In April of '06, during a self exam, I felt a large lump that seemed to encompass the entire side of my right breast. I scheduled mammography immediately, followed by two biopsies, which came back positive. I was referred to a female surgeon who explained that this ductal carcinoma in situ was slowly growing and had now reached a critical stage covering an area 6 by 4 by 2 centimeters. She advised in the strongest possible way that I have a mastectomy immediately, check surrounding lymph nodes, and follow up with radiation. I told her that I preferred to heal myself energetically. (laughs) Is this person... Just a energy healing That's, practitioner or her, energy healing practitioner who's also a nurse? Or does it not say? Well, I, I couldn't find some of these. She's got some letters after her name, L, LPC. I'm not sure what that is. Limited partnership? MBE, <laughs> MB-E therapist. I don't know what that is. Okay, I don't think so she's, we're not I don't sure see what reg- medical I don't see any registered nurse here So anywhere. this is just a testimonial for someone who does Oh, Oh, we are gonna, actually, we're going to learn something about her. Okay, minute. go ahead. You're going to be surprised. I had already altered She's my, a man, baby. <laughs> I had already altered my diet and raised my pH level. Oh, no. Probably with Kangen water. <laughs> yes? Go back a few episodes. So folks. I asked for three months to see if I could reverse the situation. She was most uncomfortable with this prospect. However, after I signed a waiver and promised to return for a checkup, she agreed to see me in six weeks. I had much to learn in a very short time. I began making lists of dietary changes, products, books, and energy workers and use my pendulum to help me plot a course of action. Wait a minute, the same kind of pendulum that Gwyneth Paltrow tried to use to guess the sex of her body? I don't know if it had hair on it or whatever. It was a pendulum. (laughs) Thus began the most remarkable six weeks of my life. God protected me from all fear and sent angels to guide me every step of the way. All right, this lady is a loon. (laughs) Friends from church and my book clubs joined neighbors and relatives in offering love, support, and countless prayer chains. I don't know what a prayer chain is. Anybody Love know? and support is very important. That's fine. Go. <laughs> I joined my contemplative prayer buddies 
and meditating twice daily and followed guidance to decide which essential oils and crystals to use to increase healing vibrations and release negative energy. Now, Dave, we're doing Holistic Chamber of Commerce, not Pose Corner. This is real. <laughs> so, this okay, this is real. This is not satire. Okay. When three different friends in one day mentioned the power of Pele, the Hawaiian goddess of volcanoes, and a soccer star. I sought out two vol- <laughs> volcanic remedies for boosting the immune system. <laughs> Began working. I'm sorry, this is horrible. With red and orange energies. And visited a Hawaiian healer who introduced me to shamanistic journeying and sound healing. Both proved helpful. And sound healing has been especially rejuvenating for me. My primary care physician, a natural hormone specialist recommended some excellent books on alternative methods of healing from breast cancer. I discovered that this is a disease of emotions, so I began to explore any stuck negative emotions and corresponding beliefs. Since I am a practicing psychotherapist... You've got to be kidding me. I had a solid, solid foundation... <laughs> this crazy lady. ...from which to work. But I still needed help. I reviewed my dream journals and notes from my own therapy. Several gifted energy energy workers were able to help me identify stuck energies and tell me which levels of my chakras were compromised. (laughs) Now, this is not, uh, just to give you a chance to take a breath, this is not entirely surprising because there are a lot of people who, when they're diagnosed with such a serious disease, just kind of, if they're so lost, they have they want to try everything and anything that could make them feel better. I, think I once do feel you... bad for this lady so far, but let's keep going. <laughs> Since breast cancer is primarily a fourth chakra disease. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, of that's, course. What, that's what it says in the textbook. <laughs> I worked hard to bring love, forgiveness, and compassion into all levels of my field and my life. Uh, okay. Her energy field or her, her professional field? field. Her Which, energy whichever. field. Okay. I kept a daily log noting the, to- the wondrous synchronistic events of those first six weeks during which neighbors I hardly knew or people I met for the first time shared a book, a product, or a piece of information, united a random array of puzzle pieces into a coherent picture that made sense to me. All along, I drew angel cards, saw rainbows, and heard words of hope that let me know God was with me every step of the way. So she was anomaly hunting. A follow-up MRI indicated the cancer had decreased. Slightly encouraged but still doubtful, my surgeon agreed to continue tracking my progress and authorizing mammograms. During the following year, I took good care of myself. I ate well, exercised regularly, and slept eight hours per night. I also drank Chinese herbs, took pancreatic enzymes, detoxed often, (laughs) and kept my lymph system clear. It took 13 months of discipline and hard work to seek and follow guidance, but I'm happy to say that the cancer is gone, and both breasts are a picture of health. Do they have a picture of the breasts? <laughs> no. There are no what? words grand enough to express my gratitude to Healing Touch, which taught me about the power of the body to heal itself energetically. Cindy Dale's book, Advanced Chakra Healing, describes in detail the divine pathway which I followed to heal from breast cancer. This is certainly the best choice, not the best choice for everyone, but it was right for me, and it was made possible because of the knowledge, love, and support of my Healing Touch community. It was a wonderful deal for me that I've written a book about my healing journey with the hope of encouraging uh, other women for 1995. who share this diagnosis to remain free from fear and take the time to discover their bodies, what their bodies need to heal. The book is entitled The Story of Grace, and is available on Amazon.com. Of course. Of course it is. Now, 
having heard that story, I am glad that this woman is in remission. That is a good story, but I am I bet uh, all that I own that I'm sorry, like 99 out of 100 people who have what did they say two by four by six centimeter tumor yes. that's growing? Yes, they're going to die. This is about the worst thing that you can do. Yes. This is in my horrible opinion, advice. That we see. This, is, this is why I read it and took the time to read it. Because, wow, you know, I decided not to have the surgery and try to heal myself energetically. You can do it too. Here's my book. <laughs> and right. part of the problem is since read she tried everything, you don't know what actually worked or well, did every, any of it every work. herb she Chinese herb she could get her hands on. And she had colonic irrigation. She was massaging. She was crystalling. She was, you know, meditating. She was... She was a minority uh, <laughs> business enterprise. Oh, MBE. That's... Okay. <laughs> no, it's an MB-E therapist. Sorry. Minority business enterprise, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but after so, all this, she can get to speak to uh, John Edwards. Yeah. So it also kind of gives us an idea of what these the energy, the whole energy field is like. You know, if you can believe that we have this energy field about us and, and just kind of manipulating the energy with our minds and everything, you can believe anything. Right. And and you read the journal and you see stuff like the Global Coherence Initiative and just the most crazy <laughs> stuff you'll ever. The the magazines are stuffed with just crazy. Just everything. They're crazy. They're yeah. crazy. It's not just healing, healing energy touch. They just buy into everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I hate to say Welcome Energy Magazine <laughs> uh, San Antonio. We look forward to mocking you more. I, um, I wonder if people like that could be just as liable as the parents in, say, Oregon who are trying to just do faith healing on their children. If if they if someone well, those are children yeah if someone basically said my kid has brain cancer so I'm just going to use energy healing and herbs and and all that I'm not going to listen to doctors are they could they just be as liable as someone who's saying oh I'm just going to pray over my kid and anoint them in, with well, oils I imagine in in many states they'll be more liable I would hope because I would hope they would all be liable that, but a lot of states allow that uh, prayer yeah. healing. So, yeah, very, very dangerous people. Um, so the message from this podcast is don't smoke. You know, <laughs> religious services don't necessarily make you happy. If you grow strong muscles in your legs, you might fly. And don't listen to anybody who tells you anything about energy healing because they're probably talking out their ass. Out their butt. Yeah, that's a good summary. All right. <laughs> Thank you. So. Okay. Good well, let's is. cheer ourselves up with <laughs> the lightning round. The lightning round. Lightning round. Okay, I'm going to start with um, a story about leap seconds. Yay! Yay! Y'all heard of leap seconds, right? Boingy, 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 Everybody, boingy. yes, yes. Okay. kangaroos. Excellent. Leap, leap um, years are more famous, but leap seconds are interesting too. Yes, and grasshoppers. And now we've we've been having leap seconds for some time, but that may end very shortly. There's going to be a vote at the uh, World Radio Communication Conference of the International Telecommunication Union in Geneva, Switzerland. They are going to vote whether to redefine. 
uh, UTC, that's Coordinated Universal Time, and pull our clock time out of synchronization with the sun's location in the sky. So, eventually. The reason that we have leap seconds is because, well, one, the Earth is slowing down a bit, and two, now we measure seconds by radioactive decay. It used to be we would we would measure seconds by the rotation of the Earth, right. but we've changed the measurement, and now sometimes we have to adjust. And and because the Earth's rotation is not really consistent, we don't know when we have to adjust. Sometimes we'll have to adjust it. Some sometimes we won't. We'll have to add a second here, add a second there. And it's been a real problem for computer programmers because there's no way to program that into software. So the U.S. is behind the move. Know. Um, to actually disconnect the physical 24 hours from the, you know, the universal time. Uh, some other, some countries don't want this to happen, including China and the UK. Okay, that's 90 seconds. I'm just worried <laughs> that 10 billion years from now, day is going to be night, night is going to be day, cats and dogs living together. I know. That's hysteria. They'll have to do something. And our GPSs won't work properly. Well, yeah, that too. Okay, Craig. <laughs> All right. Well, um... Have you guys ever heard of Ogopogo? Uh, I used to have a pogo stick, or my friend used to have a pogo stick. Isn't that from Nightmare Before no, Christmas? Not so much. No, That's not so much. Boingo. Boingo. <laughs> Good point. Good one. Um, no, Ogopogo is apparently the second best loan lake monster after Nessie in, oh, in yeah. Scotland. Um, apparently it's um, around um, Akagagan... Ag- 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 I can gag in Lake. <laughs> At least I can gag in him. Ah, um, okay, it's right. a lake in, in Canada. And apparently a new video has come to light by a man named Richard Halls, who said he's always believed in the possibility of the rumor of, of the monster who was rumored to live in the lake. Uh, but he captured this lake. And according to this guy, he believes that it proves there's something down there. Whether it's Ogopogo <laughs> or not, it's a different story. But there's something at least down there. There's something in the lake. Yeah, so, I mean, he took this grainy video, and apparently the video is only about half a minute long. It's your traditional grainy film where you really can't see a lot of detail. It's basically two dark lines (laughs) that you can't really see any detail. The funny thing is, is um, someone who was talking about it, criticizing, saying that the, whatever this is, this these two lines that aren't parallel to the waves, they don't move at all. So whatever this is, if it's an actual super serpentine monster, it's probably dead. <laughs> and they do logging in that area. Yes. Wow. There's a lot of people who say that Weird. it's probably just logs. <laughs> Creepy. And then you think of that log song from uh, Ren and Stimpy. Okay. Uh, Jordan. Okay, uh, the thing about this podcast, it is an audio podcast so that people can't see that all three of you are wearing giant pink cowboy flamboyant hats. You're um, supposed to tell. But that every day, every before day. 1940s, that was considered masculine. Um, this article I found was uh, pretty interesting. It's called, When Did Girls Start Wearing Pink? And it's uh, it, it kind of describes a young Franklin Roosevelt sitting primly on a stool and he's wearing a, a white skirt over his lap, and he's clasping his hands, and uh, he's wearing a, looks like a feathered hat. And um, <laughs> you know, he's got shoulder-length hair. And pretty much at this time, Scarred for um, life. 1884, they didn't, uh, pretty much, you, you didn't dress as a sex until the age of six or seven. Everyone wore, uh, you know, dresses, and it was kind of gender-neutral. 
And um, it, it, was, it was showing here, too, that in 1927, Time magazine printed a chart showing sex-appropriate colors for girls and boys according to the U.S. stores, um, which uh, boys were to wear pink. And, uh, of course, uh, it wasn't until the 1940s that the uh, manufacturers went the other way and said, no, we're going to say that blue is for boys, pink is for um, girls. And it, it wasn't... Nobody really determined the sex, of course, until like maybe in the 80s when people started finding out the uh, what the sex of the baby was going to be. So before, of course, on this time, until they're about six, seven years old, don't give them a sex. They don't become male or female huh. until later on. So when Marty McFly goes back in time, uh, this, his Clint Eastwood outfit is more accurate than we would think. Yeah, exactly. I was just more thinking that the rumors about J. Edgar Hoover means that he wasn't, you know, you know, homosexual or anything. He was just retro. Good point. Yeah, he was cool before he was cool. Okay, Gary. <laughs> yes, me. November 5th. Remember, remember, the 5th of November was Bank Transfer Day, for those of you who were Occupy Wall Street fans. And a lot of people, uh, a good 650000 supposedly, transferred their money from large banks such as Bank of America and Citibank, or even uh, Compass Bank, for those of you who Compass Bank. And they move them into local banks in San Antonio, such as a, a Broadway or credit unions. And so 650,000 people moved their money, and guess how much money so they figure moved. 650,000 people, if they all moved $100... Uh, too much math. Yeah, because they're, they're all they're all hippies, so it's probably about a hundred dollars, <laughs> which means they get the fifteen dollar fee. So four point five billion dollars are saying was moved. Now, doesn't that sound like a lot? Now, but to we, me it does. But we live in a trillion dollar economy, right? <laughs> so it's really not that much. They're moving it's, around trillion dollars per day, probably. Yeah, so the banks did not get hurt by this. It, most banks did not get hurt, especially the large banks, right? So it's really cool. Yeah, your fees are going to be less. And I know I moved to a credit union because of they're charging me $15 just to keep money. And quite frankly, I'm not pleased with that. But it didn't really harm them. So good try. You made the statement. It was probably good for small banks. Definitely good for small banks and credit unions. Yeah. So okay. good for them. I'm going to talk about uh, Texas education. There was a recent report issued by, well, a little bit confusing about who it issued by. There's something called the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board, and that was established by the legislature in 1965. Now, they came up with a, uh, a set of standards recently uh, for high schools for preparing kids for college, okay? Now, our standards were, were really not doing the job here, so... We know a couple of years ago, we were, the State Board of Education was reviewing <laughs> standards and trying to upgrade them, okay? They were supposed to use the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board standards and kind of use those and implement those into the standards. Well, they set up committees to do that. Halfway through the process, they dissolved the committees and completely ignored the standards from this board, okay? Now, we know how badly that worked out. It became political. And basically, I think the problem was these standards were for preparing kids for college, but the board was more interested in preparing the next generation of 
conservative, Christian, Biblical Republican, literists, yeah, yeah uh, theocrats. Okay, that was their that was their goal. Now um, there is a social studies faculty collaborative, which is is supposed to uh, promote the standards come up by the Texas Higher Education Board. They posted a report that is scathing and just attacks it, well, nicely, but talks about how bad a job the Texas Board of Education did. And it has been, it went up, and then it got pulled because it was it was just too hot. It got pulled, and then now the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board is trying to distance themselves from the report, say, we didn't approve this report. This is from... You know, this author has gone back up without their names on it. And it's just been really hilarious because the Texas Board of Education has been trying to hide this report, put it away. And it is very scathing. Uh, everyone should read it. I wish I could read it, but I do not yeah, have Yeah, we'll time. have a link to it on the blog. Okay, great. Well, um, this article that I found um, late at night, and I thought it was kind of funny, but in- interesting too. Um, it starts out with saying, this couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys. <laughs> It's an article in the Journal of Sexual Medicine, and it basically says men who have sex with animals are twice as likely to develop penile cancer as those who stick with their own kind. Author uh, Steno de... Who stick their own kind. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Steno de Casio-Zequi, an an urologist in Sao Paulo, uh, basically was talking about that it seems... It, the the theory is that um, sex with animals, which actually has its own acronym SWA, could produce microtraumas in the human penile tissues. Wait, SWA, Southwest Airlines, <laughs> because uh, the genital mucous membranes of animals could have different characteristics from human genitalia, and the secretions are probably different than human fluids. Perhaps animal tissues are left so- less soft than ours, and human secretions would be toxic for us. <laughs> now, the other... F- I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's scientifically interesting. But apparently, a member of the pro-zoophilia group... <laughs> there's actually pro-zoophilia group called told the Huffington Post where this was, by email saying that the results of the study should prompt people to take precautions, like using condoms when having sex with animals. Harm reduction. She added, added, it was unlikely to deter diehard zoophiles. They might become more cautious, but they won't change their nature. Harm reduction, we were talking about that. Well, you know what? People going to the zoo? Okay. It's not zoophilia, it's animal rape. Jordan! In Schaumburg, Illinois, a now this story doesn't surprise me at all, but um, a teacher in a suburban Christian school has been charged with a felony after he was fired for masturbating behind a podium while teaching class. Was it a podium or a lectern? Lectern had to be the lectern. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, had to be Nazi grammar, Nazi. Go ahead. But then we have uh, what was it? Oh, the prosecutors say that the teacher Paul Leduc, seventy-five years old, has admitted to the act. Uh, the Schomburg police say he might have been doing it for the past 10 years or even more. And it kind of brings me back to that <laughs> that uh, Stephen Fry argument, how, you know, the Catholics are obsessed with sex the way, you know, like it's uh, that equation of uh, uh, food addicts, you know, they're, they're anorexic and then you have people who are morbidly obese. They're people, the same people that are addicted to uh, food as, as how, you know, say most Christians are addicted to sex and they cover it up with their Christ- Christianity. And I've noticed that so much too, like a lot of, perverts and let's not say all of them but you know especially 
Well, let's just say gay Republican perverts are usually so, evangelical so, Christians. So he, as well. he had a fetish about being in front of kids. kids? High school. But no, they, they don't. Oh, well, that's fine. Yeah, that, that's all right. <laughs> but why they're, not? they're old enough. Well, they were 75 and still able to get it up and masturbate in public. Good on him. I'm yeah. impressed. But, <laughs> why not have an HD 3D camera in the podium, you know, and just tape it? <laughs> Some people pay good money home. for that. It was that's a 16 year old girl that turned him in. Good for her. They, uh, yeah, okay, she, so she, she caught him. She saw him. And... She wasn't quite ready for the pervy old guy. <laughs> okay, that's it, right? No, nope. no, we're not. Gary, I'm sorry, Gary. Gary has I one have more. One more. Okay, here's this is a, a really cool one. Well, I'll post a link to to the to the website. Uh, and this is a Texas something good out of Texas. Yay. Texas research. Uh, Doctor Ali Aliev or Aliev demonstrated transparent carbon nanotube sheets and what they do is they create a heat mirage over the sheet that allows anything behind the uh, sheet to virtually disappear it actually uses a mirage to see around the object or to show what's on the opposite side of the object so now, it kind of bends the light around itself yeah it uses a refractory hmm. uh, index so basically what, what it says on the article is this invisibility for light oblique to the nanotube sheets is caused by the mirage effect in which a thermally generated refractive index gradient bends light array from a hidden object. So bends the light around the object. And that is really cool. But now what they've done is they haven't done it in air, but they've done it in water, which has a different refractory index. Right. Than, but mm-hmm. knowing you can do that, you may be able to create a mirage. So you, I, I don't think that you'll necessarily hide it so much because they'll see that mirage. You'll see that the heat, uh, but you can hide what it is. So you know, some you know, a sniper with a gun, <laughs> <laughs> or a coke machine in the desert. So it'll look blurry. Yeah. It'll look miragey, like that yeah. heat thing. But okay. we're that much closer to an actual invisibility cloak. But it, yeah, that's super <laughs> cool. Well, I don't know. That's the question. Is a mirage really invisibility? Because invisibility should be that you actually don't see that something's there. So even even the, the beastie from Predator... Right, you know, you had see, had basically yeah. this this kind of cloak. It's, it's it, more it, cloaking, it, more cloaking yeah. than invisibility. Like they're made of glass. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah quite possibly. It, it didn't see re- the shape, but you can't see the. It didn't reflect, reflect the light perfectly, but enough that it is more camouflaged. Yeah, definitely camouflaged. Still, yeah. If it's still, you wouldn't be able to see it unless it just stood out to you. But okay. it's it's That's pretty really cool technology. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to be Yay. alive in this time. And good science, which proves that we're not all hicks down here in Texas. <laughs> Where did that come from? Uh, UT Dallas. So. Uh, okay. Good. Yeah. There's there's a couple of articles on it and. Ha! Okay. Lightning rounds over. Yay! That was Yay! fun. Um, and I think that's it. Unless we want to talk about um, drug use. <laughs> and. <laughs> Okay, well, that was fun. That was and, fun. Uh, I think that's about Whee! it. Uh, guys, don't forget to uh, look up the Reason Rally on Texas Free Thought Convention. And re- Facebook I think re- Reason page. Rally also has its own likable page. Like them, like them both. And like, like us. us on Facebook, Skeptic Wire. Yay. And uh, Donna will be back next week to tell us about her adventures. And thank you, Jordan, for joining us. Thank it you very much, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And, kept us uh, on us, I think. And if you, too, would like to be on the Skeptic Wire podcast, please send us muffins. 
uh, or um, a blank check in a self-addressed stamped envelope. Okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs> or bribe us somehow. All right. Good night. Good, Good night, night, folks. Thanks for joining us. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. No, 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 we'll... Uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make you feel better, David? I was David? horribly sick this weekend. I... <laughs> no, not that sick. Just, just a cold. I went to the zoo this weekend. Are you going to yeah. replace that mic? <laughs> All right, fine. Um, I'll put paper in front of it. Because no ooh, <laughs> it was a beautiful day to go to the zoo Sunday. It was nice. Every day this week. I can't see the board. You ready? <laughs> I can't I'm see the ready. board. Wait a minute. I can't see the this board. This is not my fault. I always sit here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> but he's six inches to the left or uh, to the right. Oh, no, I'm perfect now. Oh, he's perfect. <laughs> Just don't lean forward. Okay, right. we ready? Sure. Okay. Yep. And this is 32, huh? <laughs> yeah. And that is a correct date, right? Huh?